This is the Topic is Trek special interview with Dr. Muhammad Noor, biologist and, oh yeah, occasional consultant to Star Trek. Welcome to the Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, the topic is Trek. Engage already! Dr. Knorr is a professor of biology at Duke University, as well as an associate of the Duke Initiative for Science and Society and a biology-based fellow at the Trinity College of Arts and Sciences. His research involves seeking answers to questions like, what genetic changes contribute to the formation of new species? And how does the process of genetic recombination affect both species formation and molecular evolution? While we here at the Topic as Trek love a good discussion of lethal alleles in natural population, we thought we would concentrate on another one of Dr. Noor's areas of interest, Star Trek. Dr. Noor gives Trek-related presentations at sci-fi conventions, at schools, museums, and yes, even on Star Trek The Cruise. He hosts a YouTube channel, BioTrekky Explains, and often has a very special Trek co-host, Jane Brooke, Star Trek Discovery's Admiral Katrina Cornwell. In addition, much like fellow friend of the show, Dr. Aaron McDonald, Dr. Norse serves as a science consultant for the Star Trek universe. We are thrilled to welcome Dr. Muhammad Noor. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to see you all here. So let's start out with a few questions. When did you first become interested in science, the, the science of biology, to be specific? I mean, biology? Oh, that's a great question. Um... I always loved biology. I mean, even as a kid, I actually, I recently, well, not recently, a few years ago, I found my middle school yearbook. And in there, this is from like seventh grade or something like that. Somebody had written in there, someday you'll be a biologist. So clearly at that point, I was already telling them <laughs> wow. I wanted to be a biologist. Who did and, that? Nostradamus? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think it was Donnie Oliveira, but that's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've, it's been a pretty linear path on that. I mean, like, I, I don't actually remember a first moment loving biology, but I always loved animals. I always loved, like, trying to understand them. I love getting books about them, things like that. So there were a few times, like, in college, I, got, I hesitated for a while there. I actually started as a biology major, but then I said, well, I really enjoyed psychology. Maybe I should do that. But then I had genetics, and I was like, nope, this is it. I love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we all had one of those pauses in college. Like, am I really on the right track? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. How the book in these arts be? Hmm, I don't know. So much calculus I'll never use. Oh my gosh, yeah. What did you guys major in? I was a computer Um, science major. And I was a major in media, so radio, television. I was just a major in life. I actually didn't go to college. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Yeah. In terms of media, when I was in college, I used to work at the college radio station. So did I. WM. So I made fun of those kids. I'm just kidding. Hey. It's okay. We made fun of you too. So there you go. Nerds rule. What was your Trek origin story? When did you first discover Star Trek? Yeah. I've told the story a couple of times. Well, I'll say it for you guys too. The, um, my first, the first time I remember seeing, I had heard of Star Trek. I just heard those words, but I didn't really know what it was. And I'd seen Star Wars already by this time, like the original 1977 movie. I mean, I, I saw it when I was like six. I saw it just in the theaters as it came out. 
I'd heard about Star Trek, but I'd never actually seen it. But I remember going on a trip with my parents to visit somebody in Florida. They had it on. I actually remember the episode, too. Uh, the episode was for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. Mm-hmm. I remember like being really drawn in like, what is this? I, I remember they kept on talking about the Oracle and I kept on thinking like the part of the heart and like, oh, I don't know what an Oracle is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the biology part stuck in my head. As right. But it was just fascinating. This idea that these people live in this world and don't understand the world that they live in. And these other people from the outside are telling me about it. And I was like, this is really interesting. So after I saw that, I came back to my, you know, came back home and then tried to find out my local TV station. And, you know, this is, of course, pre-streaming by a lot of late, late seventies. So, you know, you just have to wait till it happened to show up on channel 27. And I found a time when it did and I started watching it. I watched all the original series then not obviously not in first run. Cause this is, this is like 10 years after the first run. And then I saw the movies in theaters. I don't remember about the motion picture. I may have seen that theater or maybe not. I don't know. Cause that was around the first time I saw the episodes, but I definitely saw, saw wrath of Khan and all the movies from there on out uh in first run and right every show since and everything so <laughs> so it all started with spaceship yonada huh yeah <laughs> good knowledge yeah. i like that <laughs> That's right. we're deep so yeah so um do you have a, fav- a favorite trick series that you uh hang your head on uh, see i always say it's like picking among your children how do you pick one <laughs> i know right yeah, they're so different, right? I mean, it depends on what, like, what I feel like. I actually made this website. They'll do a, they'll do a generator. So, like, if I want to just pick up a random Trek series, I click that and it picks one of the series, and then I click the other button within the series, and it'll pick an episode from that series. So I can just see something totally at random from the whole right. franchise. But yeah, actually, no, I mean, I'll good. say among the new ones, the one that to me is standout in terms of surprising. I'm not gonna say it's necessarily the best because I again love the ball. But the right. one that stand out that was surprisingly good to me, which I didn't expect it to be just as amazing as it is, is Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, I oh, yeah. I think like, we all yeah. share that. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I wanted yeah. like, oh, it's going to be a kid's show. Oh, is this going to be okay? I love it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. I think yeah. I think that's the problem with why a lot of people aren't watching it, because people that haven't seen it still have that in their head that, oh, it's a kid's show on Nickelodeon. It's like, well, yeah. it, not really, not really at all. Yeah. yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was surprisingly more complex than, uh, than we thought it was going to be. Totally. You know, cause yeah. Cause they did label it sort of like a, a young adult kind of series. And then we're like, wow, that was pretty good. I'm yeah. not used hey, to watching a story arc that goes 20 episodes anymore. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, eight, right. 10, yeah. are we done? Nope. Still That's going. Right. <laughs> That's right. There's a meme online. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's a meme with like a Trojan horse coming up to a castle. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in, uh, on the outside of the Trojan horse, it says Star Trek Prodigy. And on the inside, it says Star Trek Voyager sequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, that is pretty funny. <laughs> so obviously, uh, you being more of a biologist and a fan of Star Trek, uh, that kind of leads me to the question of what what's one of your favorite species uh, oh. that, you, that you have in Star Trek? That's a great question. So what, the, what I like a lot is the Tholians, right? Because this is, this is a not humanoid species. It's truly different. And mm-hmm. it doesn't even want to exist in like our environment, right? I mean, they, they, their preferred temperature is like super hot. So I, I, I always found them very interesting and in how they like can communicate through these like shivers and stuff, which obviously gets translated. That, I find them fascinating. I think they're really cool. I'd love to learn more about the Tholians. I'd also like to learn why they do that weird web thing. But that's, that's, yeah, a right. that's, that's not that's a true. biological question. That's more a technological right. thing. Right. I, I would have guessed you, you uh, if I had to put money on it, I would have thought 8472. But, you know, they're, oh, they're close. They're in a different, like, fluidic space. But they're in a yep. different space, like the Tholians. So there's a, kind of a parallel between those two. 
Yeah. Actually, I have a, a Tholian costume sitting right here. My son wore this. It's just a whip. I don't have. I can't grab the whole. Oh, that's just a bag for it. It's a bunch of hexagons. Okay. Then he has to start talking. There's at least a headpiece from it. Oh, there you go. Ah. <laughs> nice. Spider-Man. Hold on a second. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a bad knockoff Japanese Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Tholians, webs. I get it now. Yep. It all makes sense. STLB 2016. <laughs> I had written down here, your, your favorite might be the Zindi because you've got five oh, right. distinct species that... They're all under one banner. Yeah, On one planet. See that's mm-hmm. that piece right there that you said, Chuck. They're all, they're, they're they're all together. That 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 bothers me a little bit in the sense that like they're really different, and they're all they're all considered to be subspecies of a species. Like these like can't even exist in the same environment. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, true. Aquatics with the insectoids. Like what? What right. is? This? So I like the creativity to it. The biology there is a little. Sus. <laughs> it's it's more it's almost less of a species more of just a label for the people or the, the 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 organisms that come from that planet right. like saying like anything that comes from earth well you're terran yep yep that right. i could accept that but they they did say they were like subspecies and they said they were 99.5 percent similar to the genetic level and <laughs> wow well, that's a big claim <laughs> well, well that, except I, for those poor avians who just uh, yeah. couldn't quite make it well <laughs> you know we're closer related to mushrooms so yeah <laughs> i mean we are more closer to mushrooms than to grass but not right. than to other you know animals <laughs> well th- this kind of begs the question now i'm curious uh, i think i remember somebody asked bill not this uh kind of similar question so when you watch science fiction uh mm-hmm. such as star trek or something like that or even maybe Star Wars, where they got all the different creatures. and mm-hmm. Or can you suspend belief and oh, yeah. enjoy it? Or do you go, there's no way. Why didn't they oh, call I'm me kidding. on this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm completely fine with it. I mean, even if uh, the whole point is, I mean, this isn't an episode of National Geographic. This isn't, you yeah. know, it's supposed to be entertainment, right? So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I take it for what it is. I might in my head kind of shake my head a little bit like, no, nah, that's silly. But, yeah, but it's still fun. Yeah. It's still a fun sure. ride. I mean, I'm coming here for the story. I'm not coming to look at the science and not, you know, watching right. Star Trek for the purpose of learning science, watching right. for the entertainment value. So I might shake my head every now and then, but it's great. And to their credit, I mean, from the beginning, you know, at least from next generation, I don't know about for original series, they've, they've actually brought in science advisors, which a lot of series would not do mm-hmm. that. And they've right. actually like tried to get the science to at least be good to include some, you know, proper uh, terminology and to try and make things right. Now, always story will trump science. So if X has to happen, then X is going to happen. But (laughs) at least the attempt is there. The other thing which I like just as an educator, the educator inside me, is that you can use mistakes in the science as teaching tools, right? Because often it reflects a common misconception that's out there, right? Okay. So, you know, a common one is always like the context of mutation, right? Like every series always has like, oh, he's undergoing mutation. Like what, what, like, what is that? What do you mean (laughs) by that? Like, I mean, I I understand the word mutation, but I look at it very much as a geneticist. When they're saying mutation, this is now giving a popular perspective. It's almost like the the Marvel Semantic Universe kind of mutation. Now you have the X gene, and now you can shoot webs or whatever. (laughs) Right, right. Right. But but in reality, it's like one cell changed uh, over here someplace. Yeah, a a single one of those DNA letters in a single cell. I mean, we all have we have we produce mutations all the time as we're making more cells in our body. We all have multiple mutations relative to our parents. So, like, yeah. And then the other thing is this idea that these mutations all come together and work in this really new way to create a tail or to make you invisible or do 
what? Like, why would they all have the same mutation in every cell in your body all at once? So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting because you can use those as examples in the classroom and try to explain to people, like, people think of mutation this way, but you have to think of it in the context of like, for that mutation to spread, like, that mutation happens in one cell and for it to spread, that cell has to divide. Unless every cell in you has now been divided and replaced, you wouldn't have the same mutation throughout your whole body. Right? That's called a transporter accident. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> well, transporters, that's the, the, the great gimmick that can like fix anything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you're supposed to delete that pattern buffer. Ah, we kept yeah. it around just in case. Yeah. What's, was, yeah, that also opens up the whole, like, why don't they just make like 20 copies of every Kruger member? But they always say, oh, it can only be stored and only temporarily. And I'm always a little bit unclear, like, why can only be stored temporarily? But... <laughs> oh, no, I've, I've gotten hurdy brain trying to read some of those articles. I don't want to go yeah. back there. <laughs> yeah. But the short answer to your question is, I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun. And yeah, again, okay. I appreciate it. Very much, truly appreciate the fact they try. Whereas there are other shows, I'll, I'll pick on one that I always pick on. I feel bad picking on the same show all the time, but The Flash. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Even my son knew, like, when he was in high school, we watched it. Like, that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. it's still fun. It's still a fun show, but wow! Yeah, be, the be careful. I love The Flash. Uh, <laughs> so, if you're looking for an easy panel at Dragon yeah. Con, pick apart The Flash. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, no, oh, yeah, that, that would be fish in a barrel, as my one of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on to a, a, a slightly different area. You wrote a, a book called Live Long and Evolve. And it's hard to hold up the audiobook version of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little harder. <laughs> so so in a nutshell, can you describe the focus of the book? Sure. So yeah, in a nutshell, it is the introductory genetics and evolution class that's offered here at Duke University, also online in Coursera. If you go to Coursera, the free online courses, uh, there's a class there called Introduction to Genetics and Evolution. The content of that class, the class at Duke, and this book is very, very, very similar. The depth is a little different. So this Live Long and Evolve doesn't go quite as deep into all the specific concepts, but it, it touches on a lot of the same concepts. There's very high overlap. The difference, of course, between those classes and this book is this book uses examples from Star Trek to illustrate either the correct use of that particular concept or an incorrect use of that concept. So the idea is to basically leverage people's interest in Star Trek to get them to learn some fundamental concepts in genetics and in evolution. That's, what, so, that's how this came out. Oh, please. So when you wrote the book, the specific audience you had in mind were your students or was it was it more designed for the general public like from the beginning yeah it was designed more for the general public. that's why i mentioned it's not going quite to the same depth so that i mean for the students i mean the student the class here at duke and also the one online it's not aimed necessarily at majors it's an introductory level class so it doesn't actually assume any any specific knowledge ahead of time the book is even a step lighter so it is very much aimed for anybody anybody should be able to just pick it up and you know at least get most of it you know it, it would be useful if they've you know gone through high school <laughs> you know? yeah, right. but yeah i wouldn't expect the elementary school student to pick it up and just be able to blast through it but you know if they've at least gone through high school and they're at least vaguely familiar with terms like dna and know what generally mm -hmm. not even the very specifics but generally what dna is you should be okay yeah i like the idea that that you're it seems like your book is using a common flavor reference of star trek exactly to to teach them about genetics and biology uh, as opposed to somebody that might be interested in those things in your class, you know? Exactly. And, so, yeah, I mean, right. when I started writing the book, one of my colleagues, the person who has the office next door to me, it was always saying like, 
why are you doing this? Why don't you just write another book on genetics and evolution? Well, A, there's a million of them. <laughs> right. Like, why is mine right. going to be different? Yeah, yeah. But B, again, like, like you said, it's basically trying to engage people who have this other interest and maybe interest in the topic, but just they haven't seen a good entry point to it. But on the other hand, they're like, oh, wow, this uses, you know, this example from of Kai Wynn talking about the, you know, how evolution is, is problematic or something like that. As an, mm-hmm. as an introduction, we're talking about the, the you know, supposed criticisms against evolution, for example. Right. Does it right. cover salamanders? It does have, it does have Voyager <laughs> threshold in there. That's oh, actually no. we talk about mutations. Specifically. <laughs> That's I had to go there at some point in the show. Of course, of course. <laughs> There's a funny story about that. I don't know if you heard about this. Um, back in 2017 or 2018, I can't remember. Uh, actually, you, you can find this on Google. Just Google fake Voyager paper. Oh, yes. We covered that story when it came out. Oh, yes. ah, you remember yeah. when it came out. Okay, so yep, yep. about this. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Some published. biologist who apparently goes yeah. by Biotrecky. Mm, I can't remember who that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Put out Stupid this name. paper in a predatory scientific journal. It basically re- recaps that episode you know like scene by scene in the results section of the paper but all mm-hmm. in science speak and, it's, and it got published <laughs> that's awesome we did a live script reading of that at our did you really? panel last year oh uh, yeah it was that's it was hilarious. something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well let me let me change topics for you again real quick how did you end up setting sail on star trek the cruise the cruise uh let me think how, how that, the, the very first time so, I mean, I started speaking, like, I mean, let me take a step back and talk about conventions. And I'm, assu- I'm assuming that's then what, what connected me over to the cruise a little bit. Sure. So I, I started talking at conventions because the, I went to my first convention in 2014. I saw that there was stuff like Science Strike. You guys probably already knew since you guys present at DragonCon and places like that. Mm-hmm. But my first convention was DragonCon in 2014. And that's where I learned that there was a science track and truck track and they actually had science talks there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I reached out to Garrett Wong, you know, Ensign Harry Kim and mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, would you be interested in a talk on evolution and using you know basically evidence for evolution as in the context of all the different humanoid aliens you see in star trek and trying to explain which of those explanations you see in the star trek franchise are appropriate versus yeah that doesn't work based on real science everybody always thinks of the the next generation episode the chase but there's actually a couple of other explanations in other episodes too so basically i said i could go through each of those and see which ones work and which ones don't and he was very gracious said, yeah we love more science content so i did that for the first time in 2016 that actually was what led to the book, interestingly, because uh, I had just given that uh, talk, or I was preparing that talk, I think, when Princeton University Press reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book for the general public. And I said, well, I have an idea, but it's a little different from what Princeton University Press usually publishes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very receptive to that? She was. She was. I gave, I sent her, I made a draft version of the talk I was going to give at DragonCon and put on YouTube so I can get some feedback. And I sent her that link and she's like, I love this. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, great. That's to awesome. her credit. Yeah. So DragonCon helped me get the book. But then I started, yeah, basically at that point, I started doing more and more of those convention talks. And I think the point where I got invited to the cruise was right after the talk in 2019, I think at STLV. That was the first time mm-hmm. I gave a talk there. Uh, and you know, I gave, I, I think I gave a solo talk. I also gave one with Dr. Aaron McDonald, who you mentioned earlier. I should actually come back to her in just a minute. But um, the the folks from the cruise were there and they came up and said, would you be interested? I was like, oh yeah, what I mean? <laughs> what do I sign? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, let me sign right now. That's right. It is, it is work. It doesn't though. matter. People, yeah, people, no, exactly. Whatever it is, I'll make it work. The people people think it's just, you know, sit back and enjoy the drinks. You, there's work to be done. It is, it is like going on. So I've, I've done talks on the cruise twice and it, it is work. I mean, but at the same time, it is also extremely fun. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the usual obligation is, 
uh, something like three talks, a couple of events, a couple of socials. So, I mean, it's, you know, a decent number of stuff. There's a schedule. But, yep. Yeah. But it's super fun. It's super fun. I wouldn't trade it for, by any means. So what, what kind of, what light bulb went off in your head when you started doing these presentations and you started, uh, or at least maybe even before where you decided, I mean, I can see it now, the connection between Star Trek and, and some of your work, but what was the light bulb moment where you go, Oh, maybe if I put these together, you know, it'll work. When did, how did that come about? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was less a light bulb and more an evolution. So I, I, okay. if you go all the way back when I was in college, I remember talking with, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I remember talking with one of my professors who I still actually email about all the time. I literally got an email from him yesterday with this, uh, showing me a new Trek mug he just got, even though like, you know, I graduated college like over 30 years ago, but I still keep in touch with him like almost <laughs> right. weekly. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. he and I used to always talk about the science in Star Trek. And I remember telling, not necessarily him, but one of my other professors in college, like, you know, it'd be amazing to someday to actually like consult for them and tell them about like how the science could be better. We'd always like sit there and talk about like this was done really well. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they talked about lactose like it's an enzyme, but it's lactose. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> so right. that that then coupled with then going to the the Dragon Con talks. I was going to the, basically going to Dragon Con, seeing other people like my colleague Professor Eric Spana, who's from Duke University as well. He he doesn't speak in the Trek track, but he he talked in some of the other tracks about like genetics of wizarding and Harry Potter, and I was like. Oh, well, this is an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically just, it was an evolutionary thing where then I gave a, I gave a talk then for um, uh, Laurie Patton. She's the, the president at Middlebury College. She used to be here at Duke as dean, but when she moved to Miller, Middlebury College, she invited me to come up there and give a talk about something. And I, I don't remember exactly what the talk was, but I remember my first slide was the Horda. And I was trying to use it as an example of like oh, science yeah. representations in the media and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. again, it was kind of this iterative thing until eventually it led to these full-on talks plus the book and all those kinds of things. Right. Does this spill over into the classroom as well? Yes. Yeah. So I've used this book before, uh, the Live Long and Evolved book, to teach a non-majors class. Not, not the majors class I mentioned before, but a non-majors class. Uh, and the, the title of the class, and this is literally the way it would show up on people's transcripts, is Genetics, Evolution, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I could just I see that. I could just see the parents going, uh-huh. <laughs> what am I paying for now? Yeah. I've met with some of the parents. I've actually given a draft of some of the talks at Parents Weekend. They're all there because there's Trek fans too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, right. Oh, my God. I want to take this too. But it was great because what we do is we sit there and we just introduce these concepts. And, I, you know, we, I, I introduce the concept just in general. We'd watch either a whole or a clip from a Star Trek episode. And then we discuss what it meant. And at the end, I would ask them too, like, what did you think of this? And they said, it's so much easier to understand having, as you said, Greg, this frame of reference. Like, you know, we all shared this thing. We all watched this episode. We all saw how it was depicted. Like, oh, okay, that was wrong. And here was the right way it should have been, things like that. The best thing I did in that class was really funny. I actually got lazy because I I couldn't figure out, I needed them all to do a final project, but I couldn't figure out what it should be. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I punted. I just said, you know what? Why don't each of you just write me a proposal for what you want to do your final project? Project. Now, you all don't have to do the same final project. Just do something. It has to involve something about the science you've learned. And, you know, they, they wrote me various proposals and they were so creative. Like some of them said, I'm going to film uh, a, a scene, a fake scene from an actual, from a Star Trek episode and like, have it with good science. Or some said, I'm going to do a rap on all these things. And some, you know, they had all sorts of <laughs> right. right. 
it was, cool. it was fantastic. It was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. So actually, I, I put an article. I think it's in StarTrek.com. You can probably find it there. I put an article in there, and it has a link to the videos that one of the people made. Wow. It is amazing. It is so, so good. <laughs> and everybody in class did a good job. It wasn't just that one guy who did the, the, the video that's linked there. But that was such a great job, you know, basically just using their own creativity to, to show some of the content that they had learned. I also did a survey at the very end just asking them, you know, how, how many of you are interested in taking more biology classes or more interested in taking biology classes having taken this? And almost all said yes. Uh, and I also said, how many of you oh, are, wow. are interested in watching more Star Trek? And again, almost all said yes. <laughs> yes, there you go. All I want right. both fronts. All right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you ever get any well, students in the class that don't have that uh, any reference or maybe just a shallow knowledge? Most of them don't. Okay, so most of them don't. Yeah, the vast majority had seen either another Star Trek or just like one or two of the J.J. Abrams movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, only a couple had actually watched ap- episodes of Star Trek, as opposed to just the J.J. Abrams. Movies. Okay. And part of it is because, like, I think I taught the class it was 2018, 2019. It was like it was right after the 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 drought <laughs> of Star Trek, right? You know, when there were very very little Enterprise was on, mm-hmm. and then there was nothing. Right? Yep. So, and yeah, and now you know you, you figure the average age is what. 20 to 23 it takes 30 years just to watch all the star trek now yeah right yeah it, that's it, one thing it, i do love coming back to projects one thing i love about prodigy is it is a it's a soft entry point yeah yeah and i can't and, imagine and, like i like picard but like i can't imagine starting star trek by watching picard like that that would be oh no 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 that would not, no i would not recommend that yeah, you'd, you'd be, <laughs> yeah you feel kind of lost that's <laughs> like yeah. starting yeah. drinking yeah. with you know pure whiskey or something yeah right <laughs> yeah here just take this and it could be okay but it, it, mm-hmm. it it's not a soft entry it's a very much a like okay i don't know who these people are i don't know why they're so yeah. surprised okay what are all these people what are these old people doing yeah and the, <laughs> and the nice thing is that they you know that on prodigy that's the whole thing is that you have hologram Janeway explaining this is this. And this, this is the Federation, Federation and is. this is how a transporter works and yep. how a communicator works and yeah. all those things. That was yeah. that was my aha moment when she explained the difference between Starfleet and the Federation. I went, nobody has ever done that before. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Matter of exactly. fact, there are places where they get And then you could jump to almost anything and you'd be good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, when the second season of Picard was coming out, they were determined to watch all of TOS and the stuff they tried to remember from uh, Next Generation before that season came out. And I checked with them. They said, I just couldn't get all the way through TOS. I just you know, said, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can dig it. I mean, when it was the only Trek around, we watched it until, you know, we wore out the VHS tapes of it. Yeah. But now there's, you know, there's other things and it is a product of its time, just as Next Generation is a product of its time. I, I like the fact that you had a chart, I think, in one of your videos where you show the references to dna and those type oh, yeah. of things in, right in in um the original series is like next to nothing because yep. that the genome hadn't been sequenced there really wasn't anything to go by oh yeah <laughs> yeah i've seen that <laughs> and as and as tng came in they were starting to do that work and it just shot up forever since from there so it is yep. a product of its time in in many ways and that's a great example of it totally totally well said thank you <laughs> you always mention yourself as the occasional consultant yes yes i do that on purpose and i, I remember i mentioned before i want to come back to dr Aaron mcdonald that's the the context why i want to do it so dr Aaron mcdonald is the science advisor for the Star Trek franchise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like any 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 of the series, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, you know, any of them, if they're looking for science advice, they're always going to Dr. Aaron McDonald. Yeah, that's that's it. 
only when you know they, they need some extra expertise that she doesn't have and and maybe is is more in depth than she'd be comfortable looking up. That's when they say, okay, we can make a contract and reach out to somebody else. So then if it's specifically in the area of say genetics or evolution, that's when they might reach out to me. That's why I always like to say occasional because people always say, Oh, you're like Dr. Ann McDonald. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's like yeah. saying, you know, the equivalent with the equivalency would be she's like Jane Way and I'm like Denara Pell, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's there in every episode. Right. <laughs> I yeah. show up a couple of times here and there. <laughs> so are you, are you going to show up in Prodigy next time? I actually, I, I have consulted for Prodigy. I did the, the I did a little bit in episode 15 from the first series. I'm not in the credits there, but I, I did right. a little bit for episode 15. Mostly I did it through Dr. Aaron McDonald. So she, she and I just chatted and she related. Those things but there's so, another one later that I, that I also worked on that, that, you know, it was a little bit more substantive. So right. that's to come too. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it it's fun. And, and actually it's interesting. We both started at the same time, but for her, it's, it's, it's now it's her full-time job for mm-hmm. me. I mean, my full-time job is at Duke and this is just something that every yeah. now and then I have a little contract and help out a little bit with, but mm-hmm. we started at the same time. And actually our first, for both of us, our first project was working on season three of Star Trek discovery. So that was really fun. We worked together on oh, yeah. like the science behind the burn, like what is the burn? And that was something <laughs> that was really interesting because it has this physical aspect, which is the right. more her expertise with the, you know, how do you make that lithium explode and go inert everywhere and things like that. Right. But it also is coming from this like scream from somebody of extreme emotion. So that was the biological aspect. So that's where I, I pitched it. And we've okay. done since that time, we've done some projects together, some projects, you know, solo either way. So mm-hmm. like, for example, in season four of Discovery, um, she worked heavily on the the DMA, the dark matter anomaly. Mm-hmm. And I was in some of the calls, but I wasn't really contributing to that because I mean, like, it's purely physics. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Then there were some things at the end, which were more heavily on the biology of like species 10C. So that I worked on heavily. And in that case, they actually brought in some additional consultants too for like the last couple of episodes. So I, I did a lot of it initially there, but then they brought in some other folks who were linguists. These are mm-hmm. the folks from Medi, the Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So Dr. Sherry Wells Jensen and Dr. Uh, Douglas Vaykoch. So they were brought in also, and they, they, they helped more on the linguistic side to it of like the Linkos language that was used. Because I'm not a linguist. I don't know. I mean, I can, I, I work more on the molecular basis of this. Like, this is all through hydrocarbons. This is what hydrocarbons look like. This is how they would be emitted. This is what 10C might look like, that sort of thing. But you know, it's all, all these things are really team-based efforts. What I love about all this stuff, too, is that the writers are so, so, so keen on the science. They're really interested. I love when we get on these calls, too. They'll be like... What you do is so cool. I'm like, seriously? Like you were <laughs> Nobody ever tells me that. Yeah. <laughs> like, no comparison. It's kind of like, you know, the soldiers getting told by, you know, movie stars, you know, thank you for the work. It's like it's it, you know, it's that it's that symbiotic relationship. You wouldn't have one without the other. But I I'm I'm curious if you if you have or you've heard of of science stories and you go, oh, I'd love to work that into an episode at some point. I just heard a story about you know how your your tear ducts produce different types of tears, whether it's emotion based or pain based or whatever it is. Oh. Okay, that that could work into an episode somewhere. I mean, you st- are you sticking these in your back pocket and seeing if you can work them in, or is it usually the other way around where the writer says we need something about this? It's more the other way around. I'm like, I'm not I'm not part of the writers' room. I, I don't get to say like, hey, can we move this in this direction? You know, it, it's very much a, okay. Like, they have a problem they want solved, and and that's where I, I don't try to. I, 
I don't, I don't want to overstep my place there. So I don't want to try to be like, sure. you know, Hey, can we work in this thing? Cause I'd be like, that's, that's not part of the story at all. Okay. <laughs> if you're writing fanfic, do you have any of those that are in your back? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, that would be the place to do it. Like, Asking yeah. for a friend, apparently. We might have a book in the works. I do have some thoughts that I love that I have, and I have sort of sitting in the back of my head that I keep hoping somehow it can work into something, but yeah. The specifics haven't come up. So, and I don't even, I don't even try to suggest it because I'm like, I, again, I don't want to overstep my place. They are the writers. They are the ones who are. Yeah. And sometimes they ask very early stage. I mean, like, especially for discovery, which is the one I've consulted the most on. Um, they sometimes ask us very early stage. We're trying to think of a, uh, an overall arc that involves X, Y, or Z. And that, that happened a little bit with, uh, with the, to say the 10 C. So there might be an opportunity at some point to do that. But like, if it's, if it's something that's going to be like, this would be developed into a whole episode, like, yeah, that's probably. That's probably that's better coming from their end than from my end. <laughs> yeah, it'd probably have to be earlier in the story writing process where they're looking yeah. for general signposts or or things that they want to hit and go, well, we've got a couple options on the table. Do you have anything that could fit into this? Yeah. That would be a place where you could you know, go to that resource pool. Yeah, that's, that's also got to be a little bit hard for you when uh, I'm just taking as a fan from a fan side when they go, OK, here's the story we're working on. How can you help if, and you already know what the story is going to be like? That's got to be hard for you, right? I love it. I still, it's still fun. And honestly, like, there's such a long gap. I have to time forget by the time it comes out. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, the, the one we were just talking about, the, the one from episode 15 from Prodigy. So that just aired on Thanksgiving Day in 2022, right? I looked up to see when were the emails I exchanged about some of the substance for it. And it was February 2020. So it was like two and a half years pre pandemic, (laughs) right? Exactly. It was two and a half years later. (laughs) So, well, Chuck and I interviewed uh, Adam Savage back in 2005, Mm -hmm. and he was, we were talking to him for a while, and he was talking about these episodes that were coming up. And it was like, as I was watching Mythbusters, like six months later, I'm like, oh, yeah, he told us about that. You know, <laughs> that big old long gap. So that's what uh, I can understand that gap you're talking about. Yeah. And things change, too. Like, there's some things that, that I saw, like th- there's some st- things that were supposed to happen in, in the version of events that I saw for season four of Discovery, which did not come to pass the way we had talked about way, way back in the beginning. Right. And because they, they don't keep me posted. Like, oh, we changed. Right, right. right. Oh, they just threw like, the science oh. out. Oh, my gosh. Here you go, pages. That's right. Yeah, but some things will change too. So, like you know, I, I thought some things were going to uh, come out differently. It's like, oh, okay. And so, to some extent, like what I'm looking at is it's one one timeline, which may or may not be the true timeline. Right. <laughs> now, did, did you, you get have... any insight okay. into into um, Dal uh, and what his origin story was going to be? Now, that you 100 because that was that was exactly what the discussion was about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was in the context of what that was what I was working on for for Prodigy episode 15 was specifically this whole. Uh, that he came as a product of hybrid speciation. I was the one who just put those words in there. You know, a couple of things around that. Yeah. So that I knew. Yeah. That had to be kind of fun to, to speculate on. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, it also introduced, I don't want to uh, hear, we, we should probably put our spoiler alert out there. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, there we're covered. I think that ship has sailed already, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. In case you missed it, uh, you know, that also introduced the whole story about well, he's an augment now. He is ineligible for Starfleet Academy. So I, you know, it was an interesting twist to the story. That you go, oh, didn't see that coming. So it, it, that I, I thought that was fascinating how the writers have put all these pieces together, and totally. and thank you for you know, injecting the the biology science into that. 
And to be clear, like I didn't come up with the idea of him being that. I just put in some words to to work around it. They already had the idea. And interesting, they had a lot of science already there. Like the thing with where Rock Talk was going and pointing out all the different nucleotides, like, oh, adenine mm-hmm. cytosine. That was all already there. Yeah. You know, basically, what I was putting is just a little bit more frosting on on the on the already very good cake there. Too. So, are we going to see you actually in Prodigy like we saw oh, I Aaron? Can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. He's going to be a background, character. background character in some remote yeah. outpost. Walking around, with, <laughs> walking around with a virtual clipboard. <laughs> the other thing, which is really interesting, is that it's it's very neat to know. Like, I didn't know Janeway was in the series. You know, back in February, wow. 2020, oh. I didn't know at all because it's very really? much like you know. Basically, the, the the information I got never mentioned Janeway, <laughs> so I didn't know. So when that announcement came out, I was just as surprised as everybody else. Oh, amazing! Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to know you can still have some surprises here. That's totally, that's good. totally. You might have better luck showing up on Lower Decks. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> they're always yeah, hungry for right. extras. <laughs> they're always looking for extras. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. every, every t- now every time they they introduce a new series that's coming online, do you go, oh my goodness, Erin has got more work for her now? <laughs> yeah, that's she right. does. It's true. It's all on her. She is, you know. She, another analogy I always use is she's the she's the sheriff of science in Star Trek. Whereas I'm somebody who occasionally gets a dep- gets deputized. <laughs> okay, I'll help right. out. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you know Doctor Aaron uh, before? Uh, we did. It was okay. interesting for the discovery. We both came in for season three, but we had already been giving talks together at conventions. So Michelle Paradise, who is the showrunner for Discovery, she was she was mm-hmm. talking to Aaron on the phone and said, "Hey, so we have this uh, biologist who's going to be helping out too. His name is Doctor Mohammed Noor." She's like, "Mohammed," you know. She, it was the same thing with me. She told me like, "Oh, we have this uh, physicist who's coming on board. Her name's Doctor Aaron McDonald." Aaron, <laughs> now your coworkers, yay! Yes. <laughs> exactly, and it's great because since we already worked together, we already had all our contact info. We were like, "All right, let's go in," and we'd already like yeah. literally built talks together, so we'd already like made content together. So, oh, that's great! Which that is a great, fantastic. a great segue for one of the other projects you work on, which is the Biotrekky, because I believe you have an origin story that comes from Dragon Con about how that came about. And funny thing is, is that as far as we can tell, the three of us were in the room. During that origin story, ah, oh, very likely, very likely. Um, so this, this was because remember the person in the back of the room, kind of making the comments, standing up and making the comments. Yes, so Ken Mitchell. Talk about talk a bit about that. Sure, sure. So this this is uh, DragCon 2018. I was giving a talk with Dr. Aaron McDonald about the first season of science in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. This is before either of us had worked on it at all. Aaron had already become friends with Mary Chief. I'm not quite. I actually don't remember how. I think I knew at the time how, but I don't remember how they'd already become. But um. Uh, she told Mary about the talk and said, Mary, why don't you come? So Mary's, uh, you know, Mary was hanging out a lot with Ken Mitchell and Jane Brooke, who were both there uh, th- that year too. Mm-hmm. And Mary said, Hey, I'm going to go see Dr. Aaron McDonald give a talk. She's talking with some guy, Muhammad. I don't know. She, <laughs> she ran off said some guy. <laughs> but right. She's going to talk yeah. with somebody else. And um, they all showed up. But it was interesting. They all showed up kind of at, uh, after the talks had started and quiet, right. sat in the back row. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We were there. I yeah. remember. Yeah. Were they in the back or were they in the front? No, they're they're in the back. Back. They're in the oh, back. Okay, I remember another yeah. one where Mary was sitting in the front and, and oh, yeah, she, got yeah, up and did something. Okay. Yeah, for that particular one, she sat in the back. Yeah, yeah. Sat in the back. And it wasn't obvious they were there until the question and answer session when Ken Mitchell raised his hand and said, uh, so I'd like you to explain to me the biology of how I can sweat gallons of sweat into my costume. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Prosthetics. <laughs> that's yeah. that's so such that a Ken question, hilarious. too. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was he's he's always been such a great jokester. But then um uh in the introduction, Jane heard that I worked at uh Duke University. And she's like, Hey, 
I went to Duke, <laughs> you know? So she came up afterwards and said, Hey, let me introduce myself. I'd actually already met her very briefly, but I just got like a quick, uh, um, what do you call it? A selfie with her and mm-hmm. Mary just, but it was like a one second interaction. I didn't even mention where I worked. I just said, Hey, I'm a biologist or something like that. And she was sweet, but she, I don't think she even remembered we met, <laughs> but anyway, she came up and chatted a little bit and we had a great chat. I gave her a copy of my book. So she just come out there, but then I invited her. I said, look, if you're, if you're interested, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a very distinguished alumna. We'd love to have you come back to Duke sometime and you could talk at some theater classes. You could also talk in my biology class. Uh, and she said, you know, I actually, I'd love to do that. That'd be, that'd be really fun. So I set it up. I talked to the alumni association. They set up. So she actually came and talked, I think, to two or three different theater classes, but also came and talked to my biology class. But what was fascinating is she came back with a copy of my book. So incredibly annotated with questions throughout all day. She had gone through it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> really, really carefully and really wow. like, yeah. and really substantive, thoughtful questions throughout there with great analogies and stuff. I was blown away with how good she was. I should note, she was the one who actually got me connected with uh, the writers of Discovery, which eventually got me that uh, consulting gig. It was because of that. So I gave her a copy of the book. She took it back. She gave it to one of the writers who gave it to the showrunner, blah, blah, blah. That's how, that's how I got connected. Aaron yeah. actually came in through a different route, but I, that's the yeah. route that I took for coming in there. She goes, Mohammed, I got some notes um, yeah. on your book. <laughs> it was great. It's going to be second printing, right? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what was great is like, right. just the curiosity there and the, and the, the keen observe, uh, observa- observations and like, hey, this is similar to that. Like, Oh wow, yeah, I didn't actually pick that up before. That's fascinating. So I had a great interaction with her. We you know we got to be friends. We were interacting. She came and visited another time after that at Duke, just purely socially. Um, and we always said, you know, it would be fun to do a project together sometime. And you know, but it was always kind of vague, like what would it be? Then came March 2020. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what happened then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Something to do with biology and such. Something right. to do with biology and such. Yeah, mm-hmm. some not not macro viruses. <laughs> But you know, that's when I started my YouTube series by Trekkie Explains, which is just, these are just short, you know, six to 12 minute videos. Actually, I've recently introduced even a shorter format. It's like two and a half minute, but like short videos that are just have like one concept. They're basically instead of the convention talks, they're like pieces of what might've been in convention talks. So I started releasing those and that was fun, you know, and it got some good uptake, but you know, the pandemic wasn't going anywhere fast, <laughs> but I thought of something like later on because it's discovery season three. Yeah. I guess season three was about to come out. It's like, you know, it'd be fun to go through episode discovery because there's a lot of podcasts out there that do that, that go through episode by episode right. on various things. That'd be fun to go through the science. And I mean, I was like, this would be something Jane would be fantastic at. And because, you know, obviously she knows discovery since she was in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has that keen eye, keen intellectual eye. So, I mean, even though the shows tend to be like 70% on the science and about 30% on performances, she contributes a ton to the science part. Because she's always asking these really thoughtful questions, and and she develops these great analogies all the time. But anyway, I offered her this idea: like, would you be interested in doing this? She said, "Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun." And so that's what we started doing then. So we did that for all of season three and all of season four of Discovery. We went through episode by episode and, and just talked about the science. And, the, and again, we're not going through scene by scene. I mean, most podcasts just tend to do like a scene by scene for each episode. Yeah, there's not that much science this time. So what I'll often do is just like, here's an overall thing. There's a couple of specific you know, mentions or scenes or even things that are similar to something in real life. So that's what we end up spending most of the time talking about, as opposed to trying to go through like book kidnap Tarka and did blah. Like we don't do that. <laughs> what I like is the fact that she was new to Trek when she got cast in Trek. So yeah. she's kind of discovering the bigger universe, if you will, because you'll say, Oh, that's kind of reminds me of this, you know, this 
this uh, creature from the original series, the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's this play back and forth because she'll talk a little bit and you have great questions for her about, I remember there was one about um, just how you work in different spaces. If you're filming something and she'll talk about that for a bit, or, you know, if the character isn't really there, she was explaining about the ping pong ball you have to look at and everybody's eyes have to be looking in the same direction. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a mixture of a bunch of different things, which I think is really great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, she is just so wonderful to work with. And we don't, we don't rehearse to be clear. We don't rehearse these things ahead of time. Like it is truly fun. Like I'll mention before we go live, I'll just mention like, these are the three points I was going to talk about. And here's a question I might ask you. That's as, that's as much as <laughs> depth yeah. as we go into before. And that way it's truly spontaneous. It's not this stunted, like, oh, I didn't say that right. Though we do have, as, as you probably see, we do have bloopers. Garage <laughs> oh, doors are a problem, yes. <laughs> we got plenty of bloopers. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, well, I have a question for you. Um, so as far as uh, going back to Star Trek, mm-hmm. if you could change one thing and Trek canon that deals with matters of biology, uh, and evolution and alien life and all that. What would it be? Do you have a you have a small? I go back to the chase that episode the and I try to fix that because <laughs> everybody always goes there for the explanation for why there's so many humanoids, but that really doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. And I I didn't give it much. I think I was in the same camp as as um, Strain was that on the surface level, if you don't think too much about it, it makes sense. And then you explain, yeah. well, here's why it really doesn't. Yeah. You basically are saying that for, you know, four billion years ago, if they had intervened at that point, every civilization that has a humanoid would have had to have gone through all the exact same problems of dinosaurs, meteor, you know, everything would have to lead to exactly the same place. Yeah. Yep. You remember it very well. That's exactly right. It's not just the conditions have to be the same, but all the random events would also have to be the same. Like you, like you said, with the meteor asteroid impact that happened on Earth, like did that happen on Kronos too? Did that like how? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and yeah. multiple meteor asteroid impacts. It just it's crazy yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, that, there's so many random chance events that lead to where we are today. That yeah. like you know you can't just say well the conditions are the same at the end and therefore it'd be okay. Like no. <laughs> not at all not even close <laughs> that's why some races have the ridges on the foreheads or noses <laughs> right. there's your difference you hit them right there <laughs> or right there <laughs> the other comment i like to say is that we literally be more closely related to, you know you know in a genetic sense or evolutionary sense to grass than we would be to a vulcan or rotman and yet that doesn't make a interesting show that's not an interesting show. I'll oh, Craig. <laughs> yeah, and if everybody told the truth and was honest on TV shows, we wouldn't have any TV shows either. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But, but the good news is in Trek, there is another explanation which actually does work better, and that's the one from the Paradise Syndrome, which is the idea that, that you know, ancient hominids or, or humans, depending on where exactly evolution, were taken from Earth at different times and placed in other places. And at that point, it's, it's, you're looking at just like a couple hundred thousand years. Yeah, that works. And we know that can work because that actually worked on Earth in the context that we all have some Neanderthal ancestry. So we know these ancient hominids could interbreed with each other. So, yeah. And, you know, maybe when they would have evolved like a funny forehead ridge. Yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, there are possible explanations there that would have worked better. But, again, kudos to them for their creativity. I mean, they they were working. And this was pre-internet. Well, at least pre, like, good internet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe America Online may have existed <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of prodigy, yeah. prodigy. you've got science. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got science. 
Wreck.alt.star Trek. Wreck. Star Trek. You can find anything on that old Usenet news group. There you <laughs> That's go. Right. There you <laughs> and they tried, you know, like you know, they had science advisors back then. Like Andre Bormanis did a lot of really great work and he made things a lot better than it would otherwise have been. But, you know, it, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, no one person can know all of science. It's the myth of the science officer. Like there's nobody who just knows, like science is too big. Like, no, you yeah. can't just know it all. <laughs> That's why we got the internet. And it's always changing, you know, which is, right. you know, which is three years ago versus today. You could, something would change. So mm-hmm. you never Can know. I jump back to something you said earlier? So you mentioned about uh, Jane learning about the other shows. I love how much she has embraced the overall franchise, not just learning more about Discovery, but like she's gone back and like watched episodes of Deep Space Nine. She's gone back and watched episodes of Enterprise. She's gone back and watched to try to get a better framing of the whole okay. thing. It's so impressive because I mean, there's a lot of actors, not necessarily from Star Trek, but from like any franchise. A lot of actors are just like, I don't know anything except what I was in, and even that I don't remember. And they just kind of like stick right. with that. Right. She's the opposite of that. She's very much like, no, I want to understand it. I want to be prepared. If I'm going to go to a convention, people are going to ask me questions. They're they're there to to talk to me. I want to prepare myself for it. And I, That's smart. I just That's love great. that. I love that about her. She's such a good person, you know, as That's well as a curious, when, inquisitive person. When Reunification Part 3 came on Discovery, she went back and watched 1 and 2. Yep, yep. Just had yep. that running great start. Great example. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. We are coming up on the... Uh, a lot of time we had. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you, Mohammed? Sure. Uh, thank you for that. I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even Mastodon as Mafnor, M like Michael, A, F like Frank, N like November, O-O-R, or on YouTube as Biotrekkie, B-I-O-T-R-E-K-K-I-E. All right. And you've got some upcoming talks as well. Saturday, January 7th of 2023, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, 4 to 5 p.m., you'll be at the Durham, North Carolina at the South Regional Library. Good we, knowledge. We yeah. did some research. Uh, I, that's all Clinton. I'm just reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, Clinton. Uh, in and the following week, also on the Trek Talks online uh, Hollywood Food Coalition uh, fundraiser thing. So that's going to be online on January 14th. That I'm not doing a solo talk. I'm just going to be on a panel with uh, with Dr. Aaron McDonald and Andre Bormanis. And I think Naren Shankar is also in that one, too. Cool. Something to look forward to. And then in yeah. February... You'll be giving a Darwin Day talk at the University of Calgary, understand? That's right, yeah. Any Darwin Awards being given out? <laughs> I hope not. For anybody who doesn't know, Darwin Awards are people who, like, die in horrible ways or yeah. sterilize yep. themselves. Yep, dumb mistakes. I got a prize back in 2009 that was called the Darwin Wallace Prize, and people keep calling it the Darwin Award. Like, it's not a Darwin Award. No, no, Award. no, no. <laughs> Don't call it that. I, I did. I read, I read that and I had to go, wait a minute, read it again? Okay, okay. He didn't get a Darwin Award. <laughs> and then, of course, February 20th. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> February 24th through March 3rd, you'll be on board Star Trek The Cruise 6 with us. Yep. So looking forward yeah. to seeing you there. Look forward to see you. Thanks for having me on your show, too. I'm oh, thank you again, Dr. Noor. And yeah, now it's it. about thank time you. to refill those dilithium chambers and try to warp on out of here. You can find Clinton at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four, dot com. And Craig and myself, you can find in your favorite search engine by looking for Technorama Podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us at The Topic is Trek on Twitter or visit our Facebook page or you can visit our website at thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Clinton, Craig, and myself, I'm Chuck, thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, 
Don't, don't put, put on, on the red, the red shirt. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love that.